Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Well, that was not fun. Um, we had a brief discussion <laughs> before before hitting record here about whether or not it was less fun to do this after a canceled game or after a loss like that, and well, it was less of a discussion than immediately deciding, yeah, no, it's worse after a loss like that. Yeah, and fortunately or not for, unfortunately for y'all listening, we decided that we'd go ahead and hit record and you can hear us <laughs> work through this <laughs> on the record, so to speak, for for better or for worse. So This is both podcast and therapy session. Yeah, you know, and at this point after, I mean, we're going on, what, this is episode 62, I think that sounds right. I mean, we're we're getting up there. We've had a lot of therapy, and I don't know if it's helped. <laughs> <laughs> but that just, that just might be the college football fan experience. Yeah. Maybe, maybe worse so, depending on what team that you follow. But uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> And uh, I guess we'll we'll hit the show notes up at the top. Uh, please do uh, go rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, if you're taking this emotional journey with us, that is Rice Football. Please let us know. Um, you can go reach out to Carter or myself on Twitter, and and please leave us your thoughts. Uh, and uh, if if you haven't yet, we, we we plug it every week because we think it's worthwhile. Go ahead and subscribe on Patreon. We got the film session there. We got injury reports, and we have all sorts of everything else going on, and and looks into side of practice and hopefully figuring out what rice is going to do to respond. And uh, I'll be on with Taylor McCarg on inside the hedges Wednesday nights again, and we will, <laughs> we'll have a game to recap. And so this is your, uh, all that in the kitchen sink, full in-depth recap. The, uh, the, what are we going to call it? The, the North Texas recap for dummies, like that big yellow book. <laughs> Has anybody like, I know people don't go and read books nowadays, but, don't if you ever found one of those you like flip to like this is the one thing i want to know right and then you you put it back or you just googled maybe yeah i don't think I don't i've like ever I, used one i feel like the advent of the internet has has made those uh somewhat obsolete yeah know? so we are your internet for dummies experience but slightly more intelligent hopefully <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to get to a lot. We're going to talk through there's the COVID section, which we can't escape, but hopefully we'll have some more oddities oddities, uh, coming up. And then, of course, we'll have the North Texas recap and a preview of the UTEP game. So that's already a lot. And we still managed to talk for 45 minutes last time. So we're going to give it our best shot. We promise you that. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's get through this COVID stuff quick and then we can. hopefully work through our bad feelings as quickly as possible. Yeah. Is that a subtle irony that we've been trying to work through this COVID stuff quickly for eight months? Yeah. And it never happened. And here we are, you know, the first COVID note. So uh, I I think we mentioned this last week. If you go to the website and you look at, there's a ticker in the top right corner with some pictures scrolling by of some, some things that uh, you might want to follow on the banner. There is a, a link there that you can go and see the COVID-19 postponements. It's got a graph if you like that. and It's got a table if you want to sort and see uh, what schools have had games postponed and 
whose fault it was. I use fault loosely, but uh, <laughs> who was the impetus for the the postponement or the cancellation? We've already added that to that list this week. And uh, my personal favorite. So we were going to have UTEP and UAB play Friday morning in Midland before the high school playoffs. I'm so upset game, about this. Yeah. Well, you know, Conference USA, they heard us. They clearly listened to the podcast <laughs> and said, OK, if we can't have that oddity, let's have more. Uh, Charlotte and Western Kentucky, apparently, we're not going to be able to play this Saturday. But the, I looked at the calendar. It's uh, it's December next week. Oh, God. We're, right. And we're running out of time. So Rice actually, before Conference USA Championship Week, only has three weekends left that they could possibly play a football game in, which is bizarre. But because of that, Rice is not the only one running out. Charlotte and Western Kentucky, rather than lose the weekend entirely, move their game from Saturday to Tuesday, December 1st, and kick off uh, because of travel restrictions and TV will be at 1030 a.m. So we have the Tuesday, 1030 in the morning kickoff. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, they now have to go the extra mile and, and play it in like, I don't know, a high school in Asheville or something. I mean, I'm sure there there's places we could find a way. <laughs> or at this point, like, oh, I was going to say you can't go indoors because that's not COVID protocol, but like make it a like seven on seven uh, arena football game. <laughs> Yeah, why not? I'm just. These are alternatives, guys. We've reached the point of this season where we're throwing everything out. But we'll see. Uh, the Louisiana Tech game for this week, I guess I believe they're playing FIU. That's already been postponed at time of recording. I have no doubt by the time you listen to this, we will have more. Conference USA has had two or three games postponed, right, canceled, whatever you want to call it, over the last couple weeks. And uh, that trend, unfortunately, does not appear to be slowing down. So we are hoping that by the time y'all are listening to this, Rice and UTEP will still have a game this weekend. If nothing else, Rice will have a game. And that worked last week. Uh, but as we alluded to, maybe maybe this would have been the game that to, to get postponed and we can play UTEP next week, huh? Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's switch them out, shall we? Uh, so first, let's, let's start on the emotional roller coaster with me. Rice uh, goes down the field on their first possession and they score to start the game again, which they've done for I think I need to go pull this number. I think it's like six or seven games in a row they've scored first, if not longer. Um, so they kick a field goal, go up three nothing. Uh, Mike Collins finds who else but Austin Trammell for a touchdown later in the first quarter. Uh, and it's 10 to nothing. And I was on the verge of tweeting out something on the on along the lines of like, hey, uh, guys, Rice is actually really good. And I'm glad that I didn't. But apparently the very act of typing it out was enough to enforce some oh. kind of some kind of powerful curse. So, so you uh, typed it and you didn't hit send. Yeah. So this is on you. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I figured that by not actually hitting send, I wouldn't invoke some kind of terrible black magic. But apparently the act of typing it was enough. Yeah. Well, the sequences that followed that play, and I, I don't know, like at some point, you kind of get a gauge early on in a game of like, 
what kind of game it's going to be. If things are going well or things are going yeah. poorly and going in, I'm like, okay, like it's working out. Things are, things are going to be okay. And then following the touchdown drive to Trammel, Rice gets a three and out on defense. And this is the point where in my mind, I'm like, man, if they go down to score and North Texas has done nothing, like I know their offense is good, um, but and then you have Rice dr- drives down the field to, um, I guess they get the roughing the kicker penalty. They get to midfield, and there's a, a fumble from Kalen Griffin, and uh, Rice turns it over. I was like, oh, and so that was a lost opportunity as well. And then I believe the drive after that. You have fourth and two on the North Texas 11. And Mike Collins tries to throw it to Jake Bailey in the end zone. Ends up throwing him like two yards behind him. One of the not characteristic throw from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with that play. And uh, that was the moment where. And so I I think, let's be honest. You know, we tend to have revisionist history when it comes to going for two. I feel like going for two, going for it on fourth down, and I feel like every time that the coach doesn't do it, it's a it feels like it's a bad decision. And every time they do do it and they don't get it, it's a bad decision. But <laughs> I really liked this decision because it felt like if you put 17 on the board at that point, it felt like 100. That would have been the foot on the throat. It, it would have felt like, yeah, I know. I have zero problems with the decision. Um, Like, Maybe you can say they should have just tried to convert and get a new set of downs. But like, I don't know, often in those situations, that's the kind of the time to take your shot because you can catch them off guard. But like, maybe you can quibble with the play call and that's fine. But like the decision to go for it, I like I, I don't second guess that at all. Yeah, and it, it unfortunately. It was that was the point where everything. Unraveled. I feel like if if we were grading Rice on a scale uh, up until that point, even with the fumble, I, I think Rice was playing at a, I don't know, an eight out of ten. Like I think both yeah. sides of the ball, things were going really well. Uh, from that point, I I feel like they just put a t- an entirely different team on the field. I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't like particularly because like. I don't know, you look at this on the whole, and really the defense was fine. Like, they gave up, I think it was that very next drive after the the turnover on downs that Darden had, or not Darden, Dean had the big run for the touchdown. Um, So he had that 166-yard run, but then uh, had, what, like 28 yards on four other carries, which is not great, but like... You know, it's not like he was gashing them the whole game. And then, you know, the other focus for this game was stop Jalen Darden. Well, he had four catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, which is like, you know, solid production. But it's not the 200 plus yards he's had in some games. So, like, it it was not the defense's finest hour. I think they gave up somewhere in the neighborhood of like, uh, like six yards a play somewhere in there. Uh, Yeah, 6.3 yards per play, which is not great but it's not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, all things considered, and I wrote some of this in the the post-game takeaway piece after the fact that 
if you would have told me that Jason Bean is going to complete nine passes <laughs> and that he's going to have one big touchdown run and Jalen Darden was going to have 50 yards and a touchdown. Like if you just handed me that, I would say done. Where do I sign? Yep. Because this is an offense that is dropping 50 on people and right. can't. Relatively and if you told me easily. that the winning team, we said this on the podcast last week. If you told me that the winning team in this game had <laughs> 27 points, I would have felt really good about it. But. Yeah, and and I mean, it, and I I went back and I and I watched a good good portion of this game, and the 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 Bean touchdown run, you can see, uh, I believe it was was Prudy. But uh, he he gets in aggressive to try and get Bean behind the line, which, to his credit, they did really well for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. But he he and I don't man might have been Josh Piercy, somebody off the edge. They both got in together and ended up getting run out of the play and taken out by the same guy, which which sprung him. So you just had a, a missed assignment where either you know Prudy goes outside and and the the edge crashes in to prevent that or Prudy goes in and the edge gets out. They just got caught up together. And because it was weird with the, the spacing on the field, it be the ball being all the way on the left hash. It just, yeah. it left so much room. And that's one of those things that like, it, it was a fundamental breakdown. I don't know whose job it was to be where, but you know, it happens. And when you have someone that's that athletic being made, you pay. And that was the point where North Texas had done nothing at all on either side of the ball and you had one one bad play which this defense has proved they're good enough that <laughs> they can bounce back from that but that one bad play that's where it kind of felt like in that moment a game that could have been 13 nothing or 17 nothing became 10-7 and it was like okay this is a completely different football game even though Rice had been dominating for 10 minutes yeah um, it, it, like I remember, the, I I haven't rewatched it, but I remember the play, and it was just the like the ball was on the left hash, and the the receivers on that side were all the way out past the right hash. So just kind of by virtual formation, you know, if you have one bust in the way you're playing that option run, it, you know, like you said, you have two guys kind of go inside where somebody should be outside in the uh kind of in the lane forcing the guy forcing him back inside like if you have one bus there just by virtue of alignment there is nobody between him and the end zone and then after that you're not going to catch uh a guy that's as fast as he is so yeah which they did the vast majority of the game so like most of the time it worked but just it didn't work once and 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 frankly i'm i'm not too terribly upset like uh, all things no, yeah. considered and then an- another thing and we'll get to uh, a couple of guys that, that got nicked up and were watching through. Uh, I don't know if you caught this when you were watching through the broadcast. I, I don't I don't believe it made it on the, the film. But so <laughs> here's this is just a weird quirk of college football, right? So you have rosters that have 100 some odd people on them for most yep. teams. And there I guess there are what going through zero to ninety nine. There are 100 numbers, uh, but most teams double up on offense and defense and and things like that. So there are, whether it's a GA, there's somebody on the sideline that it's your job to make sure we don't put two number fours on the field. Like usually it's a special teams thing more often than not. uh, But, you know, that's because teams basically never 
double. They don't like you. You don't double up on offense and defense. Like if you're going to double up, you have one guy and you but, slide the ball. So the but, only time it's usually but you do, but you do. So Chris Boudreaux, who <laughs> played wide receiver. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah. So he played he played wide receiver last year, switched over to corner this fall. Uh, was number 15 when he played for the offense. He kept number 15, which wasn't really a matter, a problem because Andrew Bird, corner, who also played, who was also number 15, was out for the majority of the fall and was just making his season debut uh, this past week. So uh, Treshawn Devones starts the game, and I couldn't really tell what happened, but after the first series or two, he didn't, I didn't see him come back to the field so i don't know if he got nicked up or, or something but i think he got hurt i thought i heard that mentioned on the broadcast okay well it, it from for the majority of the game it was miles mccord and andrew bird on the field and i that we've already talked about that their job on jalen darden and jalen darden's big play was in the slot uh, against the freshman safe against the freshman safety so the corners they were marvelous i, I think in this game but, yeah, um, Andrew Bird came right in and and acted like he didn't miss a beat. Like had a couple of really nice plays. Like for his, like it's kind of crazy how this secondary, particularly at corner, just keeps plugging in guys, and they're like all playing really well. So, I thought like, he that might have been one of his best games as a rise out. Like I don't know if that's too reactionary, but the the plays that he was making and in space on the sideline. They were they were fantastic. Like, can Rice get in some kind of package where they have like four corners on the field at once when they're all healthy? Because like all of those guys are really I good. They, I don't think they have four corners right now. But if they did, <laughs> but if anyhow, they ever get them all healthy. So Andrew Bird is on the field. Miles McCord makes like a, a diving play, almost got the ball uh, to try and knock it out on on the far side, or I guess on the Rice sideline. And he he lands kind of funny on the dive and it kind of gets looked at and has to be helped off the field. He does come back in the game, so it's not a serious injury. But as McCord is laying on the field and he's sitting there with the trainers, I see the GAs or whoever's on the sideline uh, pulling a jersey off somebody. And, and it it's Chris Boudreaux and they're taking the 15 off. And I don't know where they found it, but they found number 96, which as Isaiah Floyd wore that last year, I believe, but it, it's it's fitted for like, Let's you know, like you play in 96 on the roster. I don't believe there is. There is not. Yeah. yeah. So. So, yeah, you remember playing kids with like peewee soccer, like the smaller kids were two, three, four. And once you got up to 17, 20, 25, that that was the that was the big kids. And <laughs> so so boudreaux comes out onto the field and and they're in the red zone at this point wearing this jersey that looks it, it's fitted for somebody who weighs 300 pounds and it just <laughs> it looks so comical and i see it and my like heart just drops and i'm like they're gonna throw it right at him because why would you not like he right <laughs> just, the dude looks like he's not supposed to be there yeah, and, like not only does it not only is he like an injury replacement and particularly with DBs, like you always go with the injury replacement right away. Like you, you make that guy do something, but he's out there looking like, you know, he's somebody somebody's kid. They pulled in off the stands and like put in dad's right. jersey. <laughs> and, and I talked I talked with uh, 
uh, Coach Wilson, the the Rice cornerback coach, uh, a couple weeks ago, and and he had a lot of good things to see to say about what Boudreaux has been able to do in his transition over the defense, and, and mentioned especially with the thin numbers that he'd been really really important uh, in their schemes and and stuff going through practice. But anyhow, right, I, I don't think it was the first play, but the second play, they throw it right at Boudreaux in the end zone, and he turns around and makes a perfect breakup. Yeah, it and was stops the drive. It was I was just and at that point, I'm sitting there like just like, oh, so Chris Boudreau, if you're listening to this hats off, that was fantastic. Very nice I don't, play. I don't yeah. think people understand that, like, I don't know even what the, the converted hearts... wide receivers on this roster are playing good at corner like. But the, the playmakers that North Texas has on the outside to go in cold and yeah. say, hey, knock down this pass in the end zone to keep the lead like that's so hard and he just he did it and so at that point like if you can tell me what we've already talked about the defense handing down and you bringing in a corner that literally was playing wide receiver a couple weeks ago and that he can break up a a pass in the end zone to to preserve a lead at that point I was just like okay I, I don't see I don't you know we talked about in the middle Tennessee game you know what defense this was, if it was the version we saw last year or if they just lost too many pieces. Uh, I, everything I saw against North Texas just reconfirmed, like even giving up 27 points, like this defense is, is legit. Yeah. Even to their third string corners. Yeah. Uh, okay. Quick, just total aside digression right here. So I was scrolling through the roster to check that. Okay, we're good and. And I think this is the first time I've just had like I've I've spot checked certain numbers and players, but this is the first time I'm just scrolling through the whole roster since August or whenever when they when they whenever they added the freshmen's pictures. Do um, you find the triple? Anyone who is listening to this, if you have not seen it, go to the Rice official roster on RiceAls.com. Scroll to number fifty-three. Uh, it's freshman offensive lineman Mike Leone, I believe. Is how you pronounce his last name? Um. Uh, you're looking at one of the more spectacular mullets I've oh, yeah. ever seen. Really impressive. Hey, and I, how about this? If if Rice does have another game postponed, we'll just we'll go play by play on the best uh, pissed headshots on the Rice roster. Oh yeah, Hope, that's a good hopefully. one. A count countdown to the best. Hopefully, we don't get there. Uh, it it depends if if Rice is going to go play better than I I won all the games. But <laughs> yeah, the, there's some good ones in there. Um, Blaze still has the the long, like flowing hair. I like that yeah. a lot. So that's in there. So huh, yeah, the defense, uh, Blaze was great. Uh, I, I think the the front seven, the the work they did containing Bean, I thought was great. Passing the the one thing that, and so here's something where I don't I don't know what I would do if I were Brian Smith. So I'm not going to pretend I have any answers. But the game plan was clearly. Hold the contain on the outside. Don't let Bean run and don't let Darden get the ball. And if you're doing all of those things, then I think it would make sense that you might be susceptible to some interior run game because you can't simultaneously be positioning everybody at the edges and close to the line of scrimmage and defending the interior unless you have, you know, crazy Bama level athletes that can do everything. Right. Uh, which Rice has some good guys. So at that point, I I, I kind of I'm not going to excuse how effective North Texas was to be able to run the ball, but 
it was so jarring to see them convert multiple like third and eight and longer with just a very basic draw play. Just the draw play that the coach calls and everyone is yelling from their couches being like, chicken, how dare you? What a give up play. Like, that's what it was. And it worked twice at least. And I will say, like, you know, if your goal was to limit limit Bean and keep the ball out of Bean's hands in the running game and limit Darden, uh, outside of Bean passing, the two of them had a combined nine touches. Like, Bean had five runs and Darden had four catches. So, like, you did that, and aside from the one breakdown, so you take out the 66 yards from that, and on the traditional running game, uh, I mean, they had, like, five yards of carry, which is not great um but it's not like you're totally getting gashed there um given that you're devoting first of all that they've got you so spread out as they're going to and that you're devoting all your resources basically to keeping bean from beating you on the outside so yeah it wasn't wasn't like i don't know yeah, and I mean, if you look at the, they ended up averaging 5.6 a carry in the second half. And I thought that was really where it was uh, most notable. If you take yeah. away the, um, the, the big bean run, uh, numbers is pretty comparable in the first half, but that's that sounds like an event from like a Midwestern state <laughs> fair or something. The, the big, the big bean, bean run. run. Well, if you, I'm doing the the math, the math on the actual, it's 3.7 yards per carry, excluding the bean run in the first half, and you, it's 5.6 in the second half, and that's kind of how it felt like that. That's how it felt like they they didn't really run the ball all that effectively in the first half, even in the second quarter when things started getting going. It was a lot of bean through the air that was most of the success to get those drives down the field uh, after the bean run. Is this or or did we just coin like another like infamous rice moment? Like we had the quadruple doink and now we have the bean run. The big bean run. (laughs) How tall is he? Is he is he that big or is it just Uh, a little bean run? Six five, I think. Okay, he's kind of got that. When he runs, it reminds me of um, Colin Kaepernick at when he was at Nevada. Like he, it's like he doesn't. Oh no, he's only six three, but I don't know. He's lanky. Like he. And he's got really long legs. He just looks like one of those guys who doesn't seem like he's moving his legs all that fast, but he's just like chewing up ground and accelerating away from guys, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I guess it is what it is. The bean run. But uh, I, I think overall, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm pretty close to saying I have zero concern with the rice defense after this performance. I know they gave up 27 points, but, it was know. not their prettiest performance, but it should have been enough. Yes, that's that's exactly how it felt. Which brings us to the Rice offense, which scored 17 points, which actually I think that was that's right around almost to a point what they averaged last year, right? Yep. Like 16.6 or something. Mike Collins threw for 327 yards like we've... <laughs> Two touchdowns? Yeah. Um, like 9.6 yards in attempts. Uh, 
so we now have, it, I mean that's that is the first 300 yard passing performance of the Mike Bloomgren era I think uh wish it had come under better circumstances wait, no I think first 300 yard game I in my head like I that can't be true it might it very well might be true they were only over 200 like once last year that's I, crazy. I don't think they had any stellar passing performances in 2018. Oh, nope. I that is incorrect. I have the game. I was thinking of it in particular. I wanted to check it. 2018, Wiley Green against UTEP, 313 yards, two oh. touchdowns. Wow. There you go. That well, it's no wonder I didn't remember that because I You don't have random Wiley Green factoids. Well, I refuse to contain keep the memories (laughs) of a loss to UTEP contained within my brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's no wonder I purged that one. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. But uh, oh, man. So the the first we'll, 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 you know, bucket this off the first quarter. I think one of the things that that. Offensive coordinator Jerry Mack and Bloomgren do maybe better than anyone else in conference USA is script their first drives. Mm-hmm. Like everything works. Like they just go down the field and score. They've scored before their opponent. I need to go see if I can, I can pull this up, but it's a, uh, it's a crazy amount of times. And when you talk about a team that has had trouble in past, you know, weeks and games of getting points, being able to be the one that scores first important so they went down the field they scored they scored again i'm like okay things are all working out and then at that point it it looked to my you know very naive and and untrained mind that north texas basically kept a very similar defensive approach they kind of put everybody at the first down line in a zone and if the ball got handed off crashed in and if it didn't just hung in about a 10 yard zone to where Mike Collins either had to take the underneath route or he had to wait and survive long enough to get it 15 20 yards down the field and there was no waiting and surviving long enough in this one he got sacked seven times that was by the way the most sacks in a game under Seth Luttrell and in, in the Seth Luttrell era at North Texas. As you can imagine, this is not a team that is having too many seven-sack games. Or six-sack. Or five-sack. But I think... In the, so I, I will say, this was at the tail end of the last podcast we did. I do remember saying, you know, I was kind of interested to see what Rice is going to do against the interior pressure that North Texas was going to bring with Deion Noville. And it was kind of a throwaway tack in i think it was in the final like minute and a half of the show last week and uh lo and behold conference usa defensive player of the week Deion noville uh it it was unreal and i i I made the the comment i was passing somebody in the in the halls at halftime and i said am i crazy here but they did a better job defending ed oliver than noville yeah yeah, Which, 
I mean, Oliver had his plays in that game in 2018, but uh, I don't think he had five TFLs and a half. No, he didn't. I think he had a sack. And it was at the point where he was playing, he was on the field, but it felt like like Dion Noville had back-to-back tackles for a loss to, I think it was, was it the first field goal drive? Or was it the fourth down drive? He he had a drive that he just yeah. stopped by himself. I want to I want to say it was one of the red zone drives, uh, but it just, may have been the 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 one where they turned it over on downs because wasn't that the one where they got the roughing the punter? Uh, the roughing the punter was the one they fumbled at midfield. Ah, okay. Yeah, we're running out of bad sequences to remember, <laughs> or we have too many. That's the opposite problem. Uh, but yeah, so I. I I don't under, I don't I don't understand. Like I talked to some North Texas folks and they said he's been kind of having a, a down year like he's been good, but not kind of what they expected. This was a guy that people are saying, you know, he could get he could get drafted. Wouldn't shock me. Uh, but that performance. Uh, it was strange because the first half, five tackles for a loss and a sack. And uh, I don't know if he got officially credited with one of the fumbles. I think he did. Uh, just unstoppable. And then in the second half, you could tell he was still having an impact because, and I will credit, there was some sort of adjustment made because Noville didn't have a single tackle for a loss after halftime. But clearly more intent was being paid on him on the interior because uh, a good a good chunk, I'd probably say most of the sacks yeah. came guys off of the edge in the second half uh, where Collins was stepping up into pressure or or couldn't couldn't catch or couldn't evade long enough to to get the guys coming around the edge. So uh, in the first half, it was Novell blowing stuff up. In the second half, he was being given so much respect that everybody else was coming off the edge and, and blowing plays up. And, and Rice just couldn't throw the football or run the football. Yeah, I think this sort of felt like the first game to me where I'm like, OK, you, you can put as much of this as you want on the offensive line. It certainly was not a uh, stellar performance on their part, certainly on the interior. Um, and, you know, obviously a huge part of that is is credit that goes to Novel. Um, but you definitely want to see improvement there going forward. Um, but it did also feel to me like the first game where we really saw that lack of receiver depth that we thought there would be on this team kind of coming back to hurt them because, you know, I mean, Jake Bailey's played well so far. Austin Trammell is Austin Trammell. But, you know, when a team's going to sit back on his own like that and keep everything in front of him and force you to kind of wait for somebody to come open and your line is getting that much pressure, um, it's it's going to be a bad time. And, and I think if you had more consistent receiving threats, that would help you out a little bit here to be able to get the ball out a little quicker. but. And and I will say, I, I, I was watching because at that point, once they adjusted into that kind of like shallow zone, I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing you are. I'm like, OK, either get something going, a, a screen in the flat or something like that, or take some shots. And Rice did. And there and this is maybe this is this is nitpicking, uh, but it's kind of something that I've seen so far from Collins is that he has the deep arm. But the accuracy on those balls that travel 30 and I granted this is like 
there aren't many quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes is not growing on trees that can just drop <laughs> 40 yard dimes. Like that's just not a skill set that you get very much. Uh, but but Collins is is pretty consistently just overthrown, which is good. Most of the time you would rather overthrow. So the ball f- falls incomplete than you throw a bad interception. And right. he has one interception in three games this year. Like that's golden. Uh, but he had he had Mason. He had Bailey. Um, the touch on the deep ball just has not been there. Yeah, and and that's the thing that it, he didn't he didn't really. If you go back to the Middle Tennessee game, that big fourth down conversion he had that was his third try. They ran the yeah. same a same variation of that play of the shot in the seam three times, and on the on the play before he almost hit Mason, but it was just out of reach and so that's been something for collins that and i don't i don't like momentum doesn't exist but it does but i don't i don't know but if if collins is able to connect on one of those deep shots maybe north texas thinks twice about like this is the only scheme we're going to run for the rest of the game yeah like yeah, maybe it, maybe it, the it opens up so much when you have to force the defense to account for that possibility and right now Teams just don't have a whole lot of reason to respect that because they haven't shown any ability to consistently hit it. Yeah, and so huh, it was it was frustrating. And and so now here's the question: that the blueprint is out. Like what Rice was able to do offensively against Middle Tennessee and Southern Miss was great, and and it worked. And now for however many games Rice has left. The, the blueprint has been laid like get guys in the box and play a shallow zone and make Mike Collins hit his deep throws. Uh, if rather than the, just hope the deep ball starts falling, I, I would love nothing more. I'm still waiting on that 80 yard touchdown bomb fingers crossed, but rather than that being the only answer, uh, what does rice do differently? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, my first instinct is to say, I don't know, maybe this is just my personal preferences and offensive play calling, but I think it would help a lot if they committed to passing on first down a little bit more in, uh, you know, obviously they, they threw a lot in the second half of the, of this game, but that was dictated pretty purely by game state. Um, but it's just such a, particularly in a game like that where they're getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, it's just so different from a quarterbacking perspective from what defenses will throw at you when they are expecting you to run or being forced to respect the run as opposed to when they know you're going to pass. Like it's, it's a, we got in a lot of situations early in this game where they had run a couple times on first and second down without much success. And then we're forcing Collins to, to throw on third and eight, third and nine. Uh, and that's, it's not a great situation for any quarterback to be in, but it's clear that this offense is just not built for that right now. So I would love to see a little more like, I don't know, like some RPOs maybe. Uh, I'm not, I, you know, I haven't gone and, back and, and checked. And how that many was one thing. Running. Collins had a lot more intentional runs in this game. It really stood out to me that that was part of the game plan of get him moving. And uh, yeah. it, 
North Texas seemed pretty prepared for that. He didn't really have anything. He had a, a couple runs here and there where he picked up, you know, eight, ten yards, but not nearly enough. It got to the point where I'm like, okay, stop it. Don't get hurt. Yeah. Um, it wasn't changing yeah. the game enough. Thanks to all the sacks, he ended up with an incredible rushing stat line of 14 carries for negative 38 yards. This is the dumbest thing. Stat- sacks should not count against Rice. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, I it's think we've opined on this before. And I will say, absurd. I think Rice has been has been pretty, pretty good, all things considered. Uh, on the balance front on first down, they they ran 13 times on first down in this game, and they passed 18 times on first down. And you account for the negative game script where they were basically behind for three quarters. And that's yeah. that's basically even. Yeah, so I I feel like it doesn't feel like that all the time, but that that is. It, they've been pretty balanced. I feel like last year in particular was. You could you could set your watch to it. It's first down. They're going to run the ball. And they still do that a lot. And I believe they're pretty, pretty firm on starting drives with a running play. But uh, they've they've kind of opened it up a little bit. And I think it helps that they trust Mike Collins to do a lot of things. Yeah, they just have to create. Create situations where they can make things easier on him passing the ball. And. You yeah, know, get, getting yourself in situations where the where the defense is calling the kind of coverages and fronts that they need to have against the run, and and you can pass against that. It, like they just, if they're not going to be able to consistently hit that deep ball, then they have to adjust to find ways to make things a little easier. And throwing on standard downs is a way to do that. I and mean, I'm not suggesting they go right know, air raid here, but. I don't think it, you in worry about neutral that game states <laughs> like just finding ways to to get one on one matchups and and try to find guys in space. Yeah, and I will there uh, a couple of things we we very late not mentioning yet, but uh, Juma Taviano has had some injury issues in his career and had a, a minor a minor issue as, as far as I've heard at the end of practice last week. And he was, he, he went through warmups and was on the sideline with his helmet. So it wasn't like, um, Hey, there's no shot in you playing, but it kind of, it, from, from what I was told, it was kind of a break the glass in case of emergency. We would really prefer not to use you if we can. Um, so Kalen Griffin ended up getting the start, had a, a hundred, a hundred plus 112, something like that. All, all purpose yards receiving and rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a great night uh, for him in his first start. Yeah, 117 total yards on 22 touches, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Like we said, he was going to be pretty good, and he's uh, he's pretty good. And so that was nice. Uh, the the downside, which we've kind of worked around, uh, four fumbles and a uh, Jake Bailey uh, return touchdown that was called off the board with a, a block in the back. And so uh. you... You get you have when's the last time Rice has a special teams touchdown? It's been a while. Yeah, you're going years. Uh, so you have one of those taken off of the board and then you have four fumbles like. Rice did so much in this game to not win. Yeah, they just. Like. I don't know, we can go back and forth and, and, and pick out particular things and. 
you know, suggest ways to adjust going forward. But really, the bottom line from this game is that they just have to play better than that. And we know they're so capable of it. They've, is they've it, done it in the first two games this season. Is it that easy? Is it is it is is it literally what Rice team rolls out of bed? <laughs> like, I mean, like I kind of think so. Like they just and I don't know it. You can't say that like you, you really use the excuse of rust in this game because UNT had a month layoff and yours was three weeks or theirs was two weeks two weeks longer than yours. Um, I, I do hate that right as they got like after such a long layoff, they finally got going and then immediately had two games canceled. And I know that had to mess with like in on top of things in such a weird season, but like. You know, you you can't like scheme up a way or or coach different or or make it just like no nothing you drop on the whiteboard is going to stop fumbles. You like you can't scheme away fumble, so you just gotta not do it. Yeah, and in particular, three fumbles on punts. That's yeah, that's crazy. And and, and this and one like was really one, weird. Because the 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 fumble from from Trammell this game, it, he didn't call a fair catch, but it was almost it it looked like he was surprised that he got smacked when he caught the ball. Like the guy it, it was, was right like there. He just didn't see the guy or something. It, it was, was very odd. I just yeah, Austin Trammell fumbling the football. Like just what? And then I will credit, he has a beautiful double move down the sideline. And I was just like, oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got some, he's good. He's still good. It's yeah, going to be okay. He still had six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. A really nice grab on that touchdown. This is a really great throw from, from Collins, too. But yeah. So I, uh, you know, it, you gotta, gotta put it behind you because that your half your season is over. Like more than likely, even if you could yeah. trust the games and you're, right. you're looking at maybe three games, uh, there's three games scheduled right now. Uh, so, you know, at this point, like. Do what you do, you, you're still looking at a, a season where if you finish three and three and you're 500, that's, you know, statistically better than you were last year. Yeah. And if, like that, that's a step forward. If you would have told me entering a pandemic, we could have gotten there like. I don't know if I would have taken it. I probably would have rolled my rolled the chance, rolled the dice, and taken the chance. But uh, it's not nowhere. So we we turn forward to UTEP, and I'm going to feel a lot better about this team if they can beat UTEP. Yeah. Which the word I don't I don't know if I could ever envision saying those words, but but here I, I am. Mean, yeah, I mean, their fate like the spread in this game is currently. What what did you, what did you, you saw eleven right before yeah, we started? It, it opened up at seven. I think it's climbed up now to eleven and a half. So it's going about a point or so, point and a half a day. So Rice is going to be what seventeen, eighteen point favorite by the time we get to kickoff. Yeah, I mean, uh, and like S and P would have Rice as a ten point favorite on neutral field. Uh, I think FPI would be about the same. Like. Uh, even more in FPI, 13 points on a neutral field. Um, this, like, because you know, UTEP is not good. 
like, yeah, we've given props to this UTEP team, and you should. They've won three games, which they have not done in a very long time. Never mind. But when it comes to looking at them from a quality standpoint, those wins are against ULM, which is the absolute worst team in FBS this year. Um, although I'm actually looking now, and FPI has them dead even with UTEP, which is hilarious. But um, UL Monroe is terrible. Um, actually, no, sorry, they're not the worst team in FBS. That's UMass, who should not be in FBS to begin with. But anyway, um, UL Monroe is very bad. And then their other two wins are are uh, a 10-point win over Stephen F. Austin and a 4-point win over Abilene Christian. So, um you know, you take the W's where you can, but they're not exactly impressive. Um, this is not a good team. They're not great on offense or defense. Um, in SP, particularly illustrative, they're 124th on offense and 117th on defense. Um, they just, like, Rice is favored to beat this team. It should beat this team. However you felt about being frustrated uh, with, with two of these three games so far, like, Rice is the better team by anyone's measure. If they play 70% of what they're capable of, they should win this game fairly comfortably. If they play an actually fully clean game for once, they should win this game by quite a bit. Um, it just really depends on, you know, if they come out and are as, are as sloppy on offense as they were against North Texas, they could lose to anybody, including this team. But, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I think you said it best. Like it's it's really just what version of this team gets out of bed on Saturday morning. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because if I'm, I'm if I'm scrolling through and I'm and I'm looking at I'm like okay, so we've we've said these things about a, a Rice game versus UTEP before. Uh, so w- what's what's going to be the difference? They're they're all right in the the front seven they are leading actually conference usa uh, in tackles for a loss per game uh, against conference opponents so that that counts for something they do not have the interior presence of a of of a noville to get there so that is a a point in rice's favor they have had when they've had guys healthy their their secondary has been fine not great uh, but they they are also the the only team in, in Conference USA that doesn't have an interception in a conference game yet. So uh, they're not going to turn you over very often. So the, 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 there's nothing on the defense from from what I've I've seen Rice do even against North Texas, but through the first three games, there's nothing on defense that I'm just like Rice can't score. Rice is going to be able to score. And then yeah. if you you look on offense. You know, it's it's the same kind of deal. Like Gavin Hardison was a guy at, at quarterback that they wanted to get playing time last year to want to see if he was going to be the guy. But yeah, you're talking about a 50 percent passer, five touchdowns, five interceptions so far this year. I mean. Mike Collins is a better quarterback than he is. Yeah, uh, I think Deion Hankins uh, is a, a, pr- a pretty good, if not very good running back, has seven touchdowns almost 500 yards rushing but he's gotten those uh, across because seven literally games. everyone in this conference has at least one very good running back right it's it's a uh, required <laughs> i think if they're both healthy rice might even have two uh, but we would have to see juma for more than three games a season yeah which just sucks really feel for that guy um 
but yeah, I, I like uh, they got a couple receivers that I'm curious about. But after what we've seen from the secondary, like especially Rice's revolving door of talented cornerbacks, which man, have we done a 180? If we if right. we want to talk about things where we thought we were overestimating, we were underestimating this corner room, and I've never been happy. Yeah, like uh, we were in panic mode about this group going coming like into three the times, and then yeah. they would lose somebody else. <laughs> So I don't know who's left. Get Coach Wilcher a raise. Yeah, I don't know who's left. Like, but he's like, you know, we'll find another guy, and they they did. They just did apparently. Wearing number ninety six, I want yeah. that picture framed. It was oh, and it was so great. <laughs> and to make the play too, I don't, I don't, I don't know who yeah, was targeted. Was really I don't think it was Darden. Um, no, but regardless, so great play of the game. Um. Maybe. Yeah, like like Cowing and Garrett for for UTEP have both had pretty good. They both had exactly thirty six catches on the season, um, and between them count for four of UTEP's five total receiving touchdowns. Um, but they're not like you know, assuming Rice's whole cornerback room is is not all like. I don't know, suddenly come down with whooping cough or something. <laughs> Can't joke about sick in times like this. Yeah, I know, right? I, I almost said, assuming they don't all catch the plague, and then I was like, oh, no, that's a real thing that we have to deal with now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, like, and- if Rice has a reasonably healthy group of corners, I, I, I'm not too worried about what they're going to do, um, particularly with with Hardison throwing on the ball, like it, this is just not a passing attack that scares you, not in the way that North Texas did, and and they Rice did, did, well did a pretty good job. This is something I I put one I put a, a piece out for subscribers on Patreon. I, I think it was right at the a couple days before the season, but Rice has done remarkably well against the higher quality passers that they've faced, uh, and maybe Bean is not a. Bean probably doesn't fall into that category of, of good passers, but the better quarterbacks they've faced, Astro Hare is really the only one that's really gotten to them. Uh, and that was some garbage time last year. And this year, he just kind of lit them up. But other than that, like Jack Abraham twice, uh, Jason Bean, you go back to uh, Mason Fine, Mason Fine. last Fine. year. Yep. Yeah, they, they got Mason Fine, uh, did really well against, uh, man, whoever it was at Marshall. To, uh, I've already forgotten his name. We're on oh, the, Grant, um, the Grant Wells experiment. Not yeah. experiment. It's been great. Shout yeah, out to the, Grant the Wells. Grant Wells rousing success. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you props for that one. But yeah. So Rice will be fine uh, on that front. And then, I don't know. Don't fumble it four times. Yeah. Just hold on to the ball. Uh, like and force, force some turnovers. That's yeah. been something that we haven't seen very much. Yeah. That that would be nice. Um, defense, keep keep doing what you're doing. You know, like don't give up five yards of carry, but without a a Jason Bean to have to account for in the QB run game, like no, they've been so ha- good about pocket guys. Yeah, and and Hardison is not. He has 25 carries on the year for minus 32 yards. If you take out the sacks, I like that ESPN actually has sack yardage lost on here. Um, yep. So take out the sex, he has 17 total rushes for 29 yards. So he is not a threat as a runner at all. So you're good. (laughs) You're dealing with a pocket guy and a pocket guy who completes 
54% of his passes, which in 2020 is a very, very low number. So, yeah. And and kind of bringing us full circle last week, we said if the if the winning team scores 27 points, we we felt pretty good about Rice, that we didn't think that this was going to be a game where Rice was going to hang, hang 40 and, and win a shootout. Uh, but going to this week, if you tell me the winning team scores 27 points, I mean, short of Rice handing UTEP the ball in the red zone twice, they don't have they don't have the explosive capability on offense to like North Texas was just able to kind of engineer two touchdowns. No, they have they um, have dudes. Cowing has a catch of 82 yards on the year. And other than that, they have no other plays longer than 41 yards. Like, this is not an explosive offense. So, like, there's no there's no reason if this defense plays up to its standard, and they have continued to do so generally, um, even if the overall result in, in MTSU was not as pretty. But there's no reason they shouldn't be able to hold this offense to under 20 points, and even that might be pushing it like you... If they play as well as they did against Southern Miss, like, I don't know if they should be able to keep UTEP out of the end zone. But, um, you know, you're yeah. just going to need the offense. You know, maybe Rice can win this game, scoring only 17 points, but you sure don't want to have to I'd, have the margin of error. I'd rather not find out. Yeah, let's not have the margin <laughs> of error be that slim. Uh, I, I don't think anybody would feel good about that. Yeah, and I mean, I... If anybody is going to be able to expose the Rice offense that got solved somewhat last week against North Texas, I don't think it's going to be UTEP. No. I I'm, I don't I don't know who Rice is going to play at time of recording. It is Marshall. I I still personally don't think that game is going to happen. I think it's probably going to be UTSA. Um, UTSA or Louisiana Tech would make a lot more sense. Yeah, but. You know, maybe uh, UAB is the one I have circled that like I'm I'm kind of concerned, but their front seven is is better than the their secondary in coverage. I I, I think yeah. so. But who knows? <laughs> We're gonna get to the UAB game whenever that gets here because nothing makes sense in, in 2020 COVID yeah, plan. That but... is, <laughs> there is no sense looking that far ahead in this year. We actually just clipped that. We've we've had the same sentence run through every show for the past six months. <laughs> Nice editing work, Carter, for just sliding that in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, anything else? I, I feel like it is where it is. You know, we came off last week and we're like, here are the things that Rice needs to do to win. It, it, it really is at this point, like, just don't make the mistakes. Yeah. I mean, it's an important reminder that um, progress is not linear uh, advancement rarely goes in a straight line you know you teams programs individual players rarely just like as much as fans want it to be like this sometimes it's not just like you play in your first game and you make some mistakes and then you correct those mistakes in practice and you get a little better next week and you just get a little bit better every time and then you know your team brings all its players back and they're all a little bit better next year like it doesn't go that way like it Hopefully, if things are going well and you're well coached and, and your players are putting work in, like it's going to be generally in that direction. And I think we've seen 
the overall quality of the program moving generally in an upward direction over the last three seasons now. Um, but it's, it's not purely linear. Like it's not always going up. The, uh, the derivative is negative sometimes. The first derivative is negative sometimes, if you will. Oh, wow. We're, I'm going, we're going back now. Yeah, yeah, we're dropping Thank calculus you. on here. This is a Rice podcast. Um, <laughs> Got to stay on brand. And <laughs> wait, you're telling me that, that crazy things can happen in a, a six-game season in yeah, the in middle this of a year pandemic? Yeah. Um, like, I was really, like, I would much prefer to have the random variance where Rice goes 6-0 and or 5-1 and and we have to defend why that random result was actually true and, and not <laughs> result of fate. Yeah. And we'll get that eventually, but not yet. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I say that to say that if you're, fr- if you're a fan and you're, you're frustrated right now, like that's understandable. I certainly am. I certainly was very frustrated on Saturday. Um, that was uh, up there as tar- as far as the past two or three years of frustrating results. Yeah, it was it was near the top because it's, it's gotten because we're at that. I, I mean, and I think in some ways that's a credit, right? Because we're at the point where there are that, expectations now. Yeah, yeah, that is not an acceptable result for this program. They are they are better than that. The, the team is better than that. The players are better than that. The, the coaches are better than that. Like the, this is they should not have lost that game in that manner. And in some ways, it's nice to have those expectations, but it just makes it all the more frustrating when they're not met. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I will preach patience to say that one result like that is not indicative of where the direction the program is headed, I don't think. But, you know, the thing about having those expectations is when you don't meet them, it just ratchets up the pressure even more. So they really, really need to come out on Saturday and take care of this team that they are by anyone's accounting better than. Yeah. And don't, because if UTEP wins, UTEP will have four wins and Rice will have one with a maximum probably of three games left. Just, you can't have UTEP win more games than you. It, it does. It doesn't matter the circumstances and that UTEP got to play FCS teams for a lot of those. And it didn't look pretty. I got to play FCS teams and another like functionally FCS team, but <laughs> yeah, let's let's not do that. So let's not give UTEP their like only potentially probably only conference win of the season. Let's not do that. Again. We've already done that in yeah. recent memory. So <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll hang on. We'll we'll be here. Whatever happens this weekend, game or not, we will return and, and we'll tell you about it. <laughs> We are nothing if not consistent, even in the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, we will be back next week. And Rice Bite. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.